everybody. Welcome to the Women's Dating and Confidence Podcast. My name is Amber, and today I have a really special episode for you. My client who completed my coaching program from Dating to Exclusive is coming on to share her experience and journey with dating and what she learned in the process in order to create the relationship that she is now in. Sarah was super open in this episode, sharing really in depth her experiences in dating, including her challenges. And I just want to thank her for coming on and being so open with everybody. I think if you listen to this episode, you will learn a lot from her experience. If you are interested in working together in the way that Sarah and I work together, she did the From Dating to Exclusive coaching program, and that program is opening in January 2024 again. So if you're interested in learning more about participating in the group sessions, as we mentioned in this episode, as well as working one-on-one with me and going through a guided process that teaches you the skills that lead to an exclusive relationship, then the next step is to check out the link in the show notes and join the waitlist. When you join the waitlist, you will not only get a discount on the next coaching program, so when you enroll, you'll have a discount code that I'll email you when you join the waitlist, You will also get a free sample of the workbook that I use with my clients and the process that we follow. So you'll get the first little lesson free and you'll be able to have a sneak peek into the workbook that I created and that I use with my clients. When you're on the waitlist, you'll also get first access to enroll. So everyone on the waitlist is able to enroll two days earlier before I announce it on my list and open it up to the public. All right, I hope to see you in there and then in the program soon. And now let's get started with the episode. Welcome, Sarah, to the Women's Dating and Confidence Podcast. I'm so excited to have you on. Thank you. It's a pleasure. Let's talk a little bit about where you started when you first joined the program. Um, So in your own words, what kind of led you to the podcast and joining From Dating to Exclusive? Prior to joining um, the group, I had been single for about eight years. And I had been in a a long-term relationship prior to that and then had this long stretch where I would try dating on and off. Um, I'd use the apps. I'd get frustrated. I'd stop. Um, And the pattern was just really frustrating. Um, I had always really wanted a partner. That's just a, a huge value I've had in my life. And it was getting to the point where I really wanted to recommit to making that happen and not just letting life happen to me kind of thing. Um, so I came across your podcast and I had some long drives where I was just binge listening to it all. And the way that you talked about dating with, you know, energy and and how it should be fun and connective and hopeful, um, just your philosophy around it was so, um, energizing and, and made me feel a lot better and more hopeful about being in the process. So, um, yeah, that brought me to coaching just to, to try to work through some of the, the 
mindsets that I had at the time around dating and to hold myself accountable to actually be in the process in ways that I had um, kind of run from in the past. Mm, yeah, that's definitely a really common theme with everybody. Yeah. <laughs> I got the app, I went on a date, I deleted it. I got the app, I deleted it. So yeah. that's really common. Um, for you in that experience, what usually led you to deleting it? Was it like, were things ever taking off a little bit and then it didn't quite take off or just wasn't taking off? So you got kind of frustrated with it or what was going on there? I definitely spent too much time in the app. Um, and I didn't realize that until we started talking more about texting and using apps and stuff. But I would I would go in and carefully pick out the, the matches I wanted to have and scrutinize the conversation happening in the app. And then I would, if we happened to get to the point where I would finally be willing to meet someone, I tended to be disappointed. They, they were often very different um, from what I perceived from the messages or the way that they presented themselves on the app. Um, so yeah, I, I never went on more than a couple dates. Um, it, it tended to fall flat at that point. Yeah. And so um, part of the challenge was just finding somebody. So finding somebody through the apps and staying committed with that. And then you also mentioned feeling like you felt like social anxiety was a barrier and shyness was a barrier. How did that show up for you? Yeah, yeah. And that's that's something I've struggled with in a lot of different spaces. It came up a lot in school and stuff. Um, but I would experience just such strong anxiety around setting up dates. So that definitely would shut me down. I'm sure that I canceled some dates because it was just too overwhelming to think of um, putting myself out there and meeting a new person that way. Um, I also struggled. I, I had a strong belief that I would meet someone in person and like through shared activities or something. And I was pretty good about being social and going out and doing things that I enjoyed um, in order to try to meet people. Um, but social anxiety would come up in those spaces. So I'd have trouble making eye contact or mm -hmm. conversations with strangers, especially good looking strangers. <laughs> um, so yeah, it definitely slowed it down. And I think there were probably opportunities for connection that I missed um, because I, I was just keeping myself so close to myself from that anxiety. Mm -hmm. And then also, um, like even thinking about it a step deeper than that, you also mentioned being worried about things getting more intimate, um, emotionally, physically, and how did that show up for you in the dating process? Yeah, and that that especially showed up over time. Um, I mean, I had had intimacy in my my long-term relationship and felt really comfortable with that. But as the years went on, it, it started to feel like, can I even do that anymore? Like, what what is that even like? I, I can't remember what it feels like to be that comfortable with someone and to know that my body is going to be comfortable. Um, I had also experienced like pain from sex in the past. So I felt like I really needed to feel really comfortable with someone. Um, and it scared me where expectations of intimacy could come into 
the early stages of a relationship and how those timelines might might not line up and and cause us to be on different pages. Um, so yeah, that that was definitely a point of anxiety too. Of when when would he want it and when would I be ready and how would I know and how would that work and yeah, it it became much more of a head game than a um, than just trusting that my body knows what to do kind of thing. Yeah, um, that makes me think of two things. One, I can really relate to that because as you know, I've shared on the podcast, like my journey with painful intercourse and um, also really like the value of a patient and kind partner is yes. huge with that. Um, and then what you mentioned about, you know, just not having that experience for so long and then getting in your head about it, it reminds me of how I felt after COVID <laughs> with social yeah. situations um, where I hadn't experienced just, you know, we none of us did like a, the vast majority of social experiences. And after the first year, I really started getting in my head about my ability to connect with people, my ability to hold conversations, and I had extreme anxiety going to social situations, not even because of the pandemic part, but because I just lost practice and faith in my social skills. So um, when you've been single for a long time, it, it can be a similar experience where you're a little bit rusty with the skills, or at least it feels that way because you haven't put them in practice in a little while. And then you lose confidence in those skills, but they're easily restored and they're still there. Yes. Oh, totally. That that was 100% what I was experiencing. And ironically, you're mentioning COVID. After COVID happened, I feel like that almost helped me because <laughs> and I was like, other people have been isolated and not connecting. So like we can talk about that in a different way now. That's more of a normalized experience than than prior to COVID where it was like, oh, like now I feel like there's something wrong with me or something because I haven't had that type of intimacy. So um, yeah, it was funny how, how that timing um, worked out. Funny is probably not the right word, but <laughs> yeah, it definitely had an impact. Yeah. And also one thing I discovered, um, you know, similar to you after COVID, I really put this intention of meeting so many people and like, like really uh, trying in this area. And I made a lot of con connections. And as I got to know them more, I discovered that everybody was as socially anxious as I was. <laughs> and I think that's the case with dating too. And that's the case with intimacy for the vast majority of people. Most people don't go into that feeling 100% confident. Like, I know everything I'm doing. I'm not nervous at all. Most of us have these kinds of anxieties and fears. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think I had to check myself too, because, I mean, you talk a lot about this sort of mantra of men want relationships. And that applies with this too. I, I think my experience of men had often been like, I can tell you want something from me, like my body <laughs> mm -hmm. um, or, or just a, a one-off type thing. Like there's that vibe um, that you get from a guy coming up in a bar or something. Um, and, and not to limit that experience, but, but I had felt that. And, and so I, I needed to, 
to have more experiences with people where it was like, oh, you, you actually want to get to know me as a person like this. We're not immediately going to jump to intimacy. There is space um, to, to open up an actual relationship before that. So that was really helpful too, just to rewire um, what I even thought were expectations in dating. Yeah. Yeah. So let's dive a little bit into your journey. Um, so that was kind of the starting point. And one of the things you mentioned as the most important thing during this process for you was mindset work. So tell me a little bit about what your mindset was going into things and how your mindset changed through the process. I had a lot of perceptions about dating um, that were just assuming that people weren't available. Um, like if I thought someone was attractive or um, interesting, I just assumed that they were with someone. And some of that came from past experiences of like, oh, I have a crush on someone, but they're with somebody. So mm -hmm. that's off limits. Um, and that got internalized, especially as the years went on. And um, just dating as years go on, I think can get more challenging. It just depends. Um, but I started to have that more hardwired of like, if if I see someone across the room who looks good looking, I'm assuming that they're, they're taken. Mm -hmm. um, so that was a big one. I, I needed to open up to um, the possibility that people are available and that there are many people who are available who I could connect with and enjoy. Um, so that, that was definitely a big one. I also had to, a lot of my mindset issues were related to past experiences that I was projecting on all men or um, different situations. Um, so I felt men could not be as dependable or, or like I just mentioned, men want certain things or just these narratives that that weren't reflective of what was in front of me or, or what the possibility was. Um, so yeah, I, I had to do quite a bit to just rewire some of that and, and also to believe that a happy, a happy, wonderful, beautiful relationship is possible for me because as the years went on that I began to doubt that too. And it became a lot harder to be hopeful. I, I felt like I had to put up this protective shield around myself in the form of like, okay, I, I know I want this, but I also need to make plans for if this doesn't happen, because how will I live with that? And like, I know that that's a defensive thing, but it, it also wasn't really helping me to stay hopeful and to stay in the process of really working toward what I was seeking. Mm -hmm. um, there was a lot <laughs> to work. Yeah. So how long would you say it took for your mindset to noticeably shift? Like where you felt a difference from working through these things? It's hard to pinpoint how long it took. It, it was definitely not a linear process at all. Mm -hmm. um, because if if I listen, if I was in the car listening to your podcast for a few hours, I get out of that car and I'm like, I'm ready to go. I'm feeling <laughs> awesome. Like I have all of these positive thoughts, like I'm ready. Um, and then 
life happens, disappointments happen, time happens, and uh, the the old thoughts start creeping in. So it was pretty constant cultivation, um, which which is why some of the daily practices that you encourage were so helpful. Like I I needed that from day to day, and even on days when I didn't think I needed it, it was pretty helpful to keep keep it more ingrained. Um, and even in the early stages of dating my partner, I, I had to keep working on it because those thoughts crept in, especially just the early dating anxiety, um, kind of staving that off. But yeah, it, it's, it was an ongoing process. Yeah. yeah. You know, one thing you said um, about the availability of people and that scarcity feeling that we have. Um, and I specifically wrote in your notes um, that you shared with me, you had a lot of scarcity because you felt like you created such a niche in like your beliefs, you're like an, you're an activist mm -hmm. uh, with your hobbies, who you connect with. Um, so you had a lot of like unique things that you were looking for and that you connect with. And, you know, with looking at an attractive person and thinking, they're definitely unavailable or they're not interested, that kind of thing. Um, I think one thing we forget or don't really take to heart is that our perfect person is doing it imperfectly. So when we imagine the person that would be such a wonderful partner, it's hard to imagine that they haven't already found a partner. Right. Like, of course, this person who's so funny and so kind and so consistent and so shares all my dreams. There's no way they're still on the market. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> and what we don't realize is that person is still in their process of developing as well, maybe through a relationship in the past or through their own period of being single or through their period of focusing on work and not even thinking about relationships or being in a relationship that isn't going well before they meet you and have worked through things. And now it's going to be better with the two of you. So we can't just think of a perfect person because we then automatically associate scarcity with it. Um, but most people don't become our perfect person by having a perfect past. So yeah, it just made me think of that as well in terms of the scarcity because you did end up meeting somebody great and they had their own growth process and steps that led to meeting you. Oh yeah, and, and that is so true of, of this relationship. And I, I love what you just said about a perfect person does not have a perfect past. And it, I think when we, when we talk about our stories and like the ways that we came to meet each other. It's like, wow, we, we had things that we had to experience in order to be ready because if we met years earlier, we probably, <laughs> I don't know how that would have gone. Um, but it, it, <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> um, so it, it's, it's really incredible. I think it, it's definitely hard to fully embody that belief before it happens but absolutely in retrospect I, it's like wow um but you, you always said that you would always quote you know what you're seeking is seeking you and i thought that was just so beautiful and it has turned out to be really true mm -hmm. so 
with your partner, one of the tools that you used was the five elements or just in dating in general. How did you apply the five elements to your dating process? I, well, first of all, I always have them written down. Um, and I, I was literally like, yeah, I was like wheeled it to check in on things and how things were feeling. Um, and they were super helpful with going on different dates along the way and just sometimes keeping me in the process of, of staying curious and other times of letting connections go because it's like, you know, it's not there and it's really that simple and it's okay. Um, and then when I, when I did meet my partner, it was like, whoa, this, this is a really awesome fit. Um, and it, it just felt like my anxiety in the early dating stages, which, which I'm counting months, <laughs> you know, that that's, it goes on for a while, um, would, often question like is this real is this really good I can't believe this is actually as good as it feels those types of things so the five elements were really helpful for just checking in on yeah those things are there so stay in it stick with it um, even when it feels uncertain mm -hmm. and then along the way too there were moments where it was like oh is is this one element like values is is that really aligned um are is that going to work and in the process of having um vulnerable conversations with each other and really um processing what we felt what we believed what we wanted we we what what seemed like it wouldn't align ended up finding a common road that that you know wasn't only one person's it was what we co-created um so I, I was really amazed at how that could happen it wasn't just like a a scorecard it was also something that we were co-creating and how we were in relationship and in communication with each other yeah so that's the thing it's so complex because in some cases let's say you go on a date there's no attraction there that's it you just need to end the date and that's okay um, sometimes we need to think about how we can grow that element if you feel that it's there it's just not at its full potential and that might be something you just do on your end but often that's something you do involving the other person which can be a conversation of some kind and often those conversations can be uncomfortable and vulnerable and I remember that on a group call, you were preparing to have an uncomfortable conversation. Um, what was your mindset around like maybe the first conversation you guys had to have as a check-in or um, just like one of those more vulnerable conversations where you were leaning in? I, I don't remember the specific conversation that I was preparing for in that case, but um, I, I remember being it being super nerve-wracking. Um, and I, I mean, we were being in a long distance relationship too. I, I rely so much on people's body language and stuff and, and even proximity to someone. So I think that added an element of of nerves, but um it, it's really the anticipation that 
that it's the hardest part because once I was actually in conversation with him, he was always meeting me there. He, he's really communicative and, and awesome with that. And when things get hard, he doesn't pull away. He doesn't get defensive. It, it's a really amazing experience to, to get to have those conversations with him. Um, but yeah, it was, it was really um, just getting, getting to do it <laughs> helped a lot. And um, I, I'm really a big writer, so it, it has always helped to process through things and try to sort through my thoughts and emotions in order to um, feel a little more ready for those conversations. But he, he's just really a good person to be in them with. Mm. Yeah. And what was the result immediately after having any of those conversations, like leaning in, having that challenging conversation, being a little bit more vulnerable, what would happen afterwards? Yeah. Um, we would, we would always come out closer and stronger and with more clarity and not that everything would always be resolved, but um, always better. And you know, through the course of those conversations, there was also often, often I cried. <laughs> yeah. Often there were hard feelings and it was just like, oh man, this, it almost hurts because of how vulnerable we need to be in order to work through these things. Um, but on the other side of things, it, it always landed on, we, we want to be close to each other. We want to understand each other and, and we want to continue on this path. Um, and, and anything that's not resolved in this moment, we want to work through kind of thing. So, um, yeah, it, it, it was always really, really good on the other side. Mm -hmm. So for someone listening, who's like, man, that sounds amazing. <laughs> Where do I find a guy like that? <laughs> um, what were some of the early signs that he was that kind of person who could lean in, hold space, be not be defensive, be vulnerable, you know, have those kinds of conversations. Were there any aspects of his character that you kind of saw early on? He is, he's just good with people. Um, and I, I saw that the first day we met, um, we, we met at a wedding. So um, we were in the company of a, a lot of friends and family and he was so good about coming over to me and, and checking in and, and just showing that he was interested in me and wanted to engage with me. He was curious, he was a good listener. And then he'd, he'd also move around and go see other people, which I really liked. I didn't feel like it was overwhelming or anything. So even in those, just the first hours of interaction, I could see that he is an engaged and considerate communicator. Um, and that held true. I, I mean, after we had met, we ended up having a series of video dates and, and it was just um, the, the conversation flowed and we were able to flow between some bigger topics and some, you know, easier, fun topics. Um, so I think all of those laid a baseline for getting even deeper into things. Um, and He's, he's a pretty self-aware person um, who cares about 
the world and, and things bigger than himself in a way where he's not so protective of his ego. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's been really key too around um, those types of conversations. Mm. Well, first of all, thank you for being so specific. <laughs> that is really helpful. And you know what's amazing about what you just shared? Um, I've been working on like a little project that I call the emotional skills scale. Oh. And it's for identifying those really like nuanced um like little things that we see in people. And you just named so many of them. Um, you named curious, engaged, considerate. And one of the things on that scale too is able to transfer from playful to serious with very little friction. Um, And that's just a really good sign of someone who is emotionally flexible in general. Um, So a lot of these things are things we can notice in a person even really early on, just about how they make us feel. Um, One thing you mentioned there too, was like you know you met at a wedding but this can be true at any in any circumstance he his goal was to connect with you and in order to connect with someone you need to help create an environment where they feel safe and um liked (laughs) (laughs) rather than playing a game or being a little hot and cold or a little bit putting you down just even as a joke and you know those little sharp things that we do to elicit a response from someone but response isn't always the same as connection and so it sounds like he was really you know not necessarily even intentional maybe it's just who he is but he was really great at creating that space of connection with you he was, and it made a huge difference. I, I could have a very strong flight response um, when I felt those types of pressures you're naming. And the, the way that he communicated was just so helpful. And, you know, months later, as we would look back at it, he said that that's not something he normally do. He wouldn't usually initiate so much. Um, but I think both of us were just, were just aligning that. <laughs> yeah really worked out yeah Yeah. so tell me a little bit about your story so you met at a wedding and then how did things unfold until now yeah yeah um we we were both in the wedding party and um my friend's mom was like oh my gosh you have to meet you have to meet him he's super handsome he's he's amazing um and i i had not been paying attention at all and confession like i i had got fallen into old mindset of like this isn't somewhere where i'd meet someone so mm-hmm. we'll, we'll just do the wedding and everything um but yeah we we absolutely hit it off it was wonderful um and after the fact i um definitely applied my texting skills that i had been working on <laughs> with the group uh because i was like i I cannot let this go. I need to make sure to um, to initiate something and um, stay in contact with him and see if this could be something. And um, he always met me halfway. Like I initiated the first text. He 
asked for the video date and it just continued with that with continually setting up the next date and eventually visits um we ended up being long distance for a little over a year so um we're about four four and a half hour drive away um and really tried to make sure that we never went more than two weeks without seeing each other. Um, there was maybe one time where it was longer. And then after about six months, eight months or so, we really went um, pretty much every week. And by the summer, we we were just moving between our places together. So it um, the distance was, was closing more and more, which was really nice. And Plenty, plenty of challenges with long distance, but um, it 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 worked really well because it challenged us to continue to choose each other and to make sure that that we were um, coming through and meeting with one one another. Um, so uh, yeah, about two months ago, I can't believe it's December. Um, we uh, moved into our new house, which we bought. Um, so finally in the same city and we've been really enjoying it. Um, so yeah, it, it's been it's been a lot of moving around and it's a wonderful reward to, to just lounge on the couch in our shared house and, and just enjoy life together. That's amazing. And so it wasn't like you moved into an apartment of somebody first, it was straight to a house, straight to yes. a house. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. There were a few scenarios that we processed through. It was definitely a big decision of where we would land and everything. Um, but yeah, this this ended up being the right thing. Amazing. And so, one thing you said that I really that really stood out to me was it challenged us to keep choosing each other. And that's just such an amazing mindset to have because just this last week in the group call, we were working through some mindsets of like, what's the point of relationships anyways? They're full of, <laughs> you're always going to have conflict and you're always going to have challenges and you're going to get bored of each other. And um, we were talking about specifically conflict and how, you know, what I call top 30% couples work through that and see conflict and the first thing you mentioned that was so important was um you know leaning into those uncomfortable conversations and then bringing you closer and then the second thing you just said which is it challenges us to continue choosing each other it's like that sounds like a great challenge yes <laughs> this is like we're challenged to not break up Right. right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And it, it did. It did always feel that way. I, I had experienced long distance um, in my first relationship, and and that was not the case there. It was very much. Um, I had to do a lot of initiating and stuff. So, I it just. I was, I've been in such awe in the ways that he has continued to, to meet me and, and um, yeah, it, it has felt so mutual in a way that feels really awesome. Yeah. So that's really wonderful. <laughs> if you could look back at yourself 
maybe in the car getting pumped up to the podcast. <laughs> and I was already speaking to you, but if you could look back at yourself at that time, what is one piece of advice or wisdom that you would give her knowing what you know now? Hmm. I, I think first and foremost to stay hopeful and to to not give up on on the dream. I I mean, I look back at things that I wrote years ago and things that I wrote because of your prompts in the group. And it's uncanny how much came true um, because of those hopeful moments and, and what I could envision there. Um, so yeah, it, that, that is so key of just continuing to cultivate that vision and hope because it it does happen. It's it's wild. And, and truly, Amber, I'm I'm so grateful. I yeah, uh, you you were just this beacon um, when when I I was really not sure. Um, so I'm I'm just so grateful. And I think you're you're the way that you teach people and help women with not only the dating but the confidence side of things is is huge. Like it's it's made a difference across my, across my life. So thank you. Thank you so much for joining us today. I love your messages. And I think that everyone got so much benefit out of listening and we appreciate you so much. Thank you so much, Amber. I appreciate you so much and, and all that you've done to help me through this journey. So thanks for the opportunity. You're more than welcome.